uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, take two of uh, the Hockey Toolkit podcast, season two, episode six. I am Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, yeah, we, we've we got an excellent guest today. Um, and uh, we said earlier, as this is take two, uh, I can actually see your face. It's, uh, yeah, this- it's, you're looking good there, coach. Oh, thanks, man. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> I haven't had a haircut in a while, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's nice to see your face and feel like we're, we're, there's mutual love and respect. I love that. Right. You know, what kind of moisturizer are you using these days? <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever my, is my wife's cabinet. So it's very feminine. <laughs> I'm sure. No, that's uh no. Yeah. It's been a, been a couple of weeks since we've actually talked in person. I mean, you know, I know we talk almost daily over numerous platforms, but uh, how you been? How's life going? It's going well. We're on a little bit of a break uh, with our EHL premier team. Our EHL team is still at, playing. We're at the uh, Newington Showcase down in Connecticut. It's a really great showcase uh, because it's at a nice pause in the college schedule. So a lot of colleges are attending that kind of centrally located in the Northeast um, location. So um, that's where our EHL team is now. I just got done with Barron's practice tonight. Um, his team is buzzing. We lost a really tough game on Sunday, but the team is playing really well at the eight U level. <laughs> Trev, what's going on in your world? Uh, you know what? Not a whole lot. Uh, we uh, got back. Actually, we were down in St. Louis two weeks ago. Um, I forgot that there was a pause because somebody didn't put the uh, podcast up. That would be me. Uh, um, so yeah, we were down in St. Louis. Um, we, it was an experience. We'll put it that way. Um, and then, uh, we came back up here, we've been putting in the work and, uh, we're just kind of grinding it out right now until we get to our nice little, like two week winter break. But, uh, I'll tell you what, it's uh hockey man down in St. Louis, they, Missouri does it right. I know we talked, uh, you know, you already alluded and try to rile me up with your eight, you comment. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was an, it was a good experience. Um, we played one of the top teams in probably the entire country, um, uh, which would have been the Chesterfield Knights organization. Um, you know, I talked to the coaches after the games. We got blown out both games. Um, we did much. We fared much better in the second game. Um, and we're talking like nine to one. I think we we won or we lost. Sorry, but the skill of these kids and and how well they play and they've got their heads up and they're moving the puck. Like I know I said that I think that probably even nine U and even ten U could go, you know, cross ice. These kids were great on full ice. It was and the the biggest differences it was I found two things. And maybe it, it's similar to what you have up in Laconia cuz I know we've talked about some of your distances between rinks, but I mean the first thing is that They've got basically three programs within that St. Louis area, uh, the Chesterfield program, uh, the Sting program. And then I want to say, <clears throat> I believe it's Afton, um, who go by the Eagles at, at that time or at that age group. Anyhow, they've only got three. And when I was looking up before we left, you know, at the Knights, um, at the organization, not only do they have a 2013 and a 2014 um, top double A team. You want to guess how many teams they have underneath that in the 10U? Because the, they're combined at the 10U level. 
No, I'd love to hear it though. How many? Uh, they had 10 to 12. I believe there's 10 to 12 more teams all at the that, 10U level. That is healthy. <laughs> Could you imagine? So our program that I'm with, we have five total at the 10U level, with mine being in there, even though we're, so we're 9U. But five compared to the 12 that they had. Wow. Wow. Unreal. Yeah, and, for sure. And... You know, again, when you've got that many kids to pull from, and you know what they don't have down in St. Louis at the 10U, 9U level? They uh, cross ice? Well, actually, I think they, they've gone away from it, but they <laughs> don't have AAA hockey starting yet until I believe it was the Pee Wee major level. At least for sure, 10U, they didn't have it, but um, it was. So when you've got that many kids now here in Chicago, I could, I can't, but I could grab a, a baseball and throw it in any direction from where our rink is. And I could hit another club in any direction. You can hit four different clubs within a 20 minute drive. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking of how much better the hockey would be as if some of these clubs were condensed or eliminated in general, but now out in New Hampshire, what's it like with for you guys? There's a pretty healthy distance, right? Yeah, there's it's a different population density makes all the difference. It's you know my town is only fifteen thousand people, and uh, you know we're we're trying to really grow hockey here in this area. So it's we're kind of a, a beginning of a new phase, I'd say, with with the Wolves kind of taking over youth hockey next year. Um, but then when you get down more towards Boston, it's it's probably more like that that St. Louis area. The one time I was out actually out in St. Louis, um, I believe I went to that Chesterfield rink. It was like a two rink facility. Uh, really mm -hmm. nice. It probably at the time, this was like maybe 2017. It probably was like a couple years old and Jason power. Yep. That's where I first met him. He was running that program, I think. And he was our guest maybe episode eight or nine. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, <clears throat> right there. And uh, yeah, there's two sheets. Um, but again, I was just, I was blown away by the talent that these kids had. Now, granted, you know, the coach said, you know, these kids will probably, you know, we get them for this long and then, you know, your better kids are going to move on to the, I think they're the junior blue, the triple A blues, whatever they are. And then the other team that they got, like the Louis selects or something. But it was, it was just good to see what, you know, a hockey community looked like an actual hockey community. Yeah. Um, because we don't get, I mean, we don't go to Minnesota that often, but this is basically like the next closest thing to what it should almost be like. But again, Illinois is kind of ass backwards. But uh, so, I mean, it, it was good. We It was good. We uh, learned quite a bit. Um, it was good for the kids. You know, again, we, we framed the experience of, hey, like, hey, you guys want to play high level hockey? This is what it looks like. What do they do well that we can do? You know, and it was a good learning experience. So, um, yeah, that was basically uh, kind of my uh, St. Louis trip experience. So uh... that's that's fantastic. I, I always think like, you, you know, the this, the term groupthink. You know, like if you're in a room with the same guys all the time and you're pondering ideas, you kind of throw the same ideas up against the wall and see what sticks. But you really gotta to change that dynamic and get new ideas. You gotta bring somebody. You got to go see something else or bring someone else into the mix. And, and I love that idea. Like I'd love to, you know, go out to that area and 
spend three days with so that, a program and see how really the inner workings of it, because I think that's healthy to bring back to your own youth organizations and not just on paper. Hey, this is what they do. This is what they don't do, but actually just go see the nuts and bolts, go see what they're doing in practice, see how they're interacting with the kids. Cause you know, you, you got to get that information somehow and you're not always going to get it from your, from your USA hockey stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, a great, uh, you know, saying that I've heard, um, that, that is basically similar to what you're kind of saying is like, if you're the smartest guy, you're trying to learn something and you're the smartest guy in the room, you're probably in the, you're, you're definitely in the wrong room then, you know? <laughs> yeah. So no, that's definitely, uh, I, again, I, it was a great experience for us. Uh, you know, it didn't help on the scoreboard, but, uh, I didn't care. They're nine years old. I hope, you know, they could each take away one thing. We've done our job and they got something out of it and they got to hang out with their buddies. So that's fantastic. But uh, in the world of the NHL, uh, what, uh, you know, kind of great transition here. Um, you know, what do you, what have you been seeing? What's going on? You, you know, things you want to talk about hockey wise. Well, I want to talk about one, one little segment here before we get to NHL or Emily okay. too much. I want to talk, a, a, spend five minutes on advisors. Yeah. Okay. This I mean, <laughs> It's it's like a can of worms. I'll take it. I got the can opener. I know, but I, you know, I see these postings by advisors about you know looking for a top six forward in the USHL, uh, looking for NCAA Division three, looking for a scoring forward. Like we're in December. Yeah, you're lying. You're lying. For sure. USA the USHL is not look like they've already had their tenders their drafts their camps they have they can go internally within their league and make a trade for players uh they have an affiliate list they can pull up from the na if they see fit um they're not looking for an like a, a kid playing midget double a in peoria hey, oh, yeah. maybe you know, no. like, <laughs> they're not looking for um a kid in new hampshire playing high school hockey who uh Oh, I want to sign up for, you know, a thousand bucks to this advisor. He's going to get me on the USHL radar. Like that is, that is not in the realm of possibility. So while we, while essentially we can't get the, I train hockey guy on our fucking show. Um, it sounds like we could definitely look for an advisor. We'd love to talk to us, but no, I mean, this is definitely a topic that can be, and will be a uh, episode all on its own, but uh, you hoping the can. So I've never enjoyed working with advisors, um, you know, I, I know what you're referencing because I called that group out on it being bullshit that, and of course they deleted or hid my comments on their Instagram, which is fine. I don't care. I'm going to call you out on it because it's garbage. Nobody, as you said, is looking in the middle of December for a top six USHL forward. They've got lists, as you said, affiliate lists. They'll go. I mean, I know players that have jumped from the NA3 and were pulled straight up to the USHL for a game or two and then sent right back down because, you know, they might have needed bodies or something. I, and I'll tell you who it is off the air. But um, so, yeah, like I just it, it feels like such a scummy business. And I know there are some guys out there who do a good job. Definitely. But I don't think for 99 percent of the hockey population, teenage population, they don't need them. They're they're. You can do everything on your own at, and save yourself the money. And if you, you know, if you really need an advisor, 
really, really need one, you know, you'll be pushed by numerous people to go in that direction. I think. So yeah, the the whole thing was just scummy. Reading what they were looking for. No offense, but you know, I don't care about sending a kid to the USP USPHL or the NA three. You know those types of things. Like, like really, come on. Oh, you got a, You've got a possibility you could send a kid here. Who? Oh, okay, what is he going to take over the payments? How much does it cost you? I mean, it's such a shitty, shady area of hockey that I just don't. I don't like. And the idea, like, there's one, even ones that, like, oh, NCAA Division Three, three or four defensemen or, or things like that. It's like, you know, it's college, right? You, you have to apply to college. That takes time. <laughs> you have to, like, get accepted to college. You have right. to be able to afford the college. You got to be it's old enough to like, get oh, into college. I, I think I, yeah, like, what are we talking about here? And if you're going to transfer schools, like, like, oh, like, what is that? Like, what, like, you are, that is so, so, like, uh teenage mentality it's like it's an adult appealing to a teenager um without really any understanding who doesn't have any understanding of what's going on i you know we deal with a couple of advisors and i, I do respect some advisors um yeah. but i would say more often than not the money you invest in an advisor you should be investing in yourself you should be investing in training you should be investing in um you know your workouts you should be investing in your academics um because that's what the end game is it's not about, oh, this guy can get me at a main camp, at an NA main, main camp. Like, that is just, that is, you are, you are spitballing, brother. We have, I have written, and I believe you've written a few, but I know I've written plenty of articles for the Hockey Focus in the past about how you can do what an advisor does for yourself and being an advocate for yeah. yourself. Now, is it going to, is that article going to be able to help you in a situation where you're in the midseason? You've got concerns with the coach. No, that's not going to help you. Like I'm, and I'm not, I mean, I could be on your retainer if you want, but what it is, is it's, you know, an advisor is there to get you on that team or get you to help you get to that level. And again, as you said, there are good advisors out there, no different than there are good skills coaches out there, you know, but there's also, as we both know, there's plenty of shitty skills coaches out there that are, you know, the Instagram flashy. Well, now all of a sudden, you've got advisors who are as you going for that little niche market of, okay, I got to get these teenagers here. I'm going to tell you what to do. And now they're using Instagram, TikTok, whatever the bullshit is nowadays. You know, again, it feels kind of predatory at some levels. Definitely. Definitely. And it, it's it's not right. Uh, and I agree with you 100% that it's not right. It's not fair. Um, and I guess we're just going to have to be the guys that have to break down doors and let people know, like, Hey, this isn't right. Absolutely. And there's a, you know, I think always like, you know, what's the guy in, 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 in mighty ducks, Hans, Hans that should be Hans your Kruger. advisor. <laughs> yeah. Go to the, go to the rink manager, go to your hockey director, talk to somebody who's been in the game. That should be your, your advisor. Hans gave some really good advice. He to did. Bombay. He did again. I Gordo, mean, Gordo in the first one was way off the tracks. Oh, he needed Hans more than ever, and then and he got Hans in the second one, <laughs> and then he lost Hans in the third one. But he was already on his way. It's kind of like a Star Wars kind of thing. But I'm, we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole. But uh, <laughs> um, but no, I agree with you on 100 that when when we saw I, you, we talked about that, and I saw it. I, I was just like, this is fucking. This is a joke. You don't. 
no, none of these teams are maybe, you know, who's really looking. It's probably those lower level teams. Yeah, for sure. And which, which most of the time they are. And it's probably a way of saying like, oh yeah, come talk to us. And oh yeah. Oh, you want to know about the higher teams? Uh, You know, we, we filled those spots, but Hey, what are your thoughts on this or that? Like, it's like a bait and switch type deal. That's what I feel like, but well, uh, if there are any advisors that are listening to this, please let us know. We will, we would love to have you on, um, and we will grill you. So, uh, <laughs> you know, well, let's hey. shift over to the let's shift over to the positive, Trevor. Let's okay, shift yes. over to the positive. We have a positive guest on today. Um, she's a life coach. She's dealt with many different teams, athletes, businesses, individuals, and in helping them realize their goals. Um, and we're going to discuss her after the interview, but we have a great interview coming up for you right now. Here's an interview with life coach and Tony Robbins, uh, one of their, one of her, his employees, Emily Clement. Well, here we have Emily Clement. Emily Clement's a life coach. She deals with a lot of uh, individuals, businesses, and teams in developing relationships and helping those individuals and teams reach their goals. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thanks, Andrew. This is so fun. I haven't seen you in quite some time. That's true. I mean, Emily, actually, uh, when uh, the New England Wolves were first starting out in the 2014-15 season, she jumped on board uh, after a rough stretch with the team that actually we've talked about on the podcast a little bit, and she made an immediate impact. Uh, and from there, she really grew her business um, throughout the Lakes region and, and nationally, and she's also uh, dealt with some other local teams. So it's really been a great outlet for um you know really experiencing what she does well and what how she can really actualize a lot of those those teams and having success thanks yeah <laughs> so my it. first it's, question <laughs> oh, sorry i just i just i was just saying that earlier how much i love the kids on your team that are now growing adults and some of them have their own children and it's just so fun to like be part of their lives and their parents lives and ah. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of magic happens at that rink that you don't even know is happening. <laughs> well, it's good to hear that because I don't always hear about the magic. I hear I about some you. of the other stuff. <laughs> I which believe is... <laughs> you. I believe you. So my first question for you, Emily, really uh, has to deal with um, the trends that you've seen over the years. Um, you know, you, we've been here for 10 years here in Laconia with our wolves. And, and you've seen, like you said, uh, kids from when they're 17, 18, and now they're adults. Now, if you're dealing with kids in that same age bracket, wh- what are some trends that you've seen and how have kids changed? Oh, boy. Or how are they not changed? Right. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> well, just can I just give a context for your listeners? Is that so it was it was a, a random happenstance that I started working for your team in the winter of 2015. And then the following year, or I, I was life coaching, so I would go in, work with the team, and loved it you know i started playing ice hockey a long time ago (laughs) i'd like to say i'm active but not athletic so i've been playing for a long time (laughs) but it's not pretty and so just thinking about how much i had so much hometown pride and all these kids coming from out of town who are playing juniors and so then i created a job description for myself that was um eventually unmanageable and andrew was so good about hey emily do you really need to be doing all of this and yes i can do it i'll figure it out but being the host, this is how I knew the kids. I'm telling you this because this is how I interacted with the kids. I was certainly their life coach, um, host family coordinator, academic advisor, 
I was their college counselor. I was the community service coordinator and I was in charge of game day operations. And you better yeah, have their shoulder to cry on too. I was gonna say you better have paid her pretty well for that. But unfortunately, you know no, not enough. <laughs> no, no, it's a cute stipend. But the fun part is, is now fast forward to uh, 2023, 2024, I am a healthy boundaries coach. <laughs> and <laughs> I really need to thank you for that. <laughs> Except I created, that. I created that myself. But anyway, all to say that I was interacting with the kids because I wanted to create a robust off ice program. And I had kids at my house all the time for supper intentionally, like bring new kids from the team over for supper tonight because I know how powerful it is to have a strong sense of belonging. We don't want to be fitting in, doing what everyone else is doing. We want to be our authentic self and have that strong sense of belonging. And then how can, and certainly it ties in with the coaching stuff, um, how do we communicate verbally and non-verbally? What are our collective goals and our individual goals and how can they coordinate? And so really it was with these kids, as you as an individual, how are you contributing to the whole? And so that was woven in and out of literally every job description I just described to you. Um, and, you know, and then much to my surprise, the second team came to Laconia um, my, my second year working with them. So all of that just like doubled. And then there was so much more to create as far as that strong sense of belonging and that uh, uh, cohesive unit so that they would feel like they can connect with each other. And because I keep in touch with these kids, they will they tell me all sorts of fun and funny things and the benefits of 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 creating that community early. So anyway, here it is years later and post COVID and that strong sense of belonging is hard to create when you couldn't interact with each other. And I don't know a lot about teenage brain development, but I do know enough that those strong social connections and social skills are developed in live time while you're actually interacting with humans. And so when I'm talking about this like robust off ice program that, that I was part of um, and how beautiful it was because the kids got to know each other in such different ways. And then, and they're meatheads sometimes. That's <laughs> a nice way of putting it. God. <laughs> Uh, so, so sometimes you need the interaction. I mean, I'm sorry, you need the invitation to interact a certain way, like a community service project or whatever it is. And so, so if they're not given the opportunity, sometimes things can get really lost. And um, anyway, I, I am less working with kids these days and more working with adults, but talking to parents, um, there's a lot of fear around um, those that big gap with social interaction and now kids, I'm not gonna call them, I'm gonna text them and not having those those social skills and it's had such a big ripple effect. And certainly the isolation, anxiety, depression, all the things that go along with it and parents um, going above and beyond to advocate for their children, which is making terrible future husbands. Let me tell you, terrible future husbands, if you cannot problem solve and figure out your stuff on your own time and your mom and dad have to do that for you you are creating your own little monster knock that off <laughs> my TED talk. but really truly like I just so so when I think about if I and I certainly don't work for a junior hockey team now but when I think about the the skills and interactions that we had um I don't know if if that kind of stuff is um 
as prevalent now because the world has changed and we're so comfortable with um, Zoom and texting and and uh, being more in this individualistic society that that we're just sort of doing our own thing in isolation. Andrew, I don't well, think that answered your question. No, no, that's great. I mean, I, I would say that you know a lot of the the concepts that we dealt with in that first year and you are a huge part of have become foundational pieces of the program. And, um, you know, we've grown the program based upon off the strengths of that, that model. Um, and I would say that, you know, in, in terms of zoom and communication, like, um, you know, we've been able to use that for interactions like this with a lot of different college coaches when we're trying to get kids recruited, um, you know, for motivational speakers and different things like that. So it's the, you're right. The world has changed. Like we don't gather in a room as much as we used to, right. but it's, um, there it's, it's not necessarily, it's, it's just different. Um, sure. one thing, one thing I want to ask, you know, like in terms of coaching style, um, and you know, you're dealing with this on a, on a personal level on how to motivate people, whether it's a kid or a person to realize their dreams with a business, you know, I'm, I'm 43 years old. You know, when I was growing up, the, the coaches were like Bill Parcells and they were very like, uh, you know, a little bit more in your face and people who could. A uh, little bit you know, in your push. face. Yeah, right. You could push, you could push your kids buttons. And now I'm, I'm, I'm finding that you can't do that quite as much anymore. And I, I find it like, I'm almost like not, not necessarily like disappointed in the culture, but I'm like a little bit heartbroken that the kids, can't step up and just take a little bit of criticism because yeah, yeah. I know that on the other side of that criticism, yes. there's a better player on the other end. What yes. are you seeing with that kind of motivation in that individual coaching? So this is, this is my big differentiation. So motivation to be motivated is very cognitive. And it's a lot of like thinking, like I got to get motivated. I got to do this thing. I got to make this thing happen. And so there's a lot of, um, logic and pro and con and get in like trying to do the things whereas and maybe this is a little too woo woo for your hockey podcast or um also <laughs> maybe too coachy but i love inspiration when you are so inspired that you are excited to do the next thing and you know it's the right the next right thing to do and the next right step leads to the next right step leads to the next right step and so instead of like pushing, like I think of motivation, I think of being pulled. And I would call that divine guidance, but maybe not inside the rink, but like, but that divine guidance where it just feels like the next right thing to do. And so thinking about the hard and fast hockey coaches, right? Like you have, you have a lot of kids to manage at the exact same moment, and you have to communicate to all of them in the exact same moment, and they have to get it. So it's, it's not so much about motivating them to do the thing it's about inspiring them that they want to do the thing and so the so for me i mean now i um i work for tony robbins and at tony robbins events i manage crew so there's there's hundreds of crew we are the behind the scenes mic runners ushers like working for production all that kind of stuff and so i manage the crew at his live events so i could have 350 300 people on my team, 50 people on my team, 10 people on my team, if it's a small, one of Tony's small events. And I don't want to motivate them. I want them to be so inspired that they are handpicked to be here, that then they do the thing and you, 
you positive reinforcement. Like this is what I appreciate about you. This is the work ethic I love. And I know this is probably too woo woo for you, but I mean, for the hockey world, but when, as soon as people feel that I'm going full circle here, as soon as people feel that strong sense of belonging and that they're doing something with purpose, and this is our, our really our human experience. If we don't feel purposeful, we basically feel dead. And so we are always moving towards something, especially men. And so if you don't have your big picture purpose and you don't know what you're moving toward, there's just something inside of you that dies. So and so what you want to do, I mean, what all of us want to do, and certainly me as a coach, is to identify what's your purpose. And it could be this teeny tiny small task on this your next shift, or it could be during this hockey season, this is what we need to do. And if people are so on board with that purpose, you're inspiring them to take that action. And they don't have to muster up the motivation to get it done. Instead, it just feels like, yes, like this feels good. And when it feels good, people are more inspired to work. And that's like, that's like the beautiful thing that is the, and maybe I'm bragging here, but this is the beautiful thing I get from the feedback in the Tony Robbins world. And when I'm, I'm managing all these adults to, to do all these tasks is that people say, I don't know how you do it. Everyone wants to work for you. People will request you. I want whatever Emily's doing, I'll, I'll be on her team. And it's because I love these people. I fall in love with these people and that we are so purpose driven that it, it feels like I'm doing this for a reason. That's fantastic, Emily. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, my last <laughs> question for you before I turn it over to Trevor, um, what's the most effective tools that you, you, you use with these groups? And I remember, you know, when you would gather a team in an, in an area, uh, in, in a group, you know, you would have these different exercises or challenges or tools that could kind of bring out um, the, the, the lesson for the day. What are kind of ones that you have done that you've experienced that have been really positive or some stories from the road that have been really positive with relation to inspiring your, 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 your students? Huh. So when I think about the things that went well when I worked for the New England Wolves, like that and this isn't unique to the New England Wolves, people love to talk about themselves. I mean, I've just done it for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> you should listen to our other episodes. I, don't, I never shut up. That's Come on, awesome. Trent. That is so funny. And so really, if, if this idea that life is truly a choose-your-own-adventure, like, you do not face reality, you create it. And you are constantly creating um, your reality with your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And so if you can empower people to recognize, like, and I say this a lot, and now I know I'd get phone calls if I worked with teenagers, like, <laughs> if you are not happy with your life experience, that is a you problem. That is a you problem. Like, stop giving away your power to the people, places, conditions, circumstances, news feed, world news, the expectations of other people. Like, knock it off. Like, that is so uh, wimpy. So you're looking at your conditions and circumstances around you and say, oh, okay, I guess I should be filled with fear. Or, oh, look, everyone's angry. Me too. Like, knock it off. And so instead, as humans, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. 90% of them we thought yesterday which means we're not thinking of anything new. So when I think about empowering or inspiring people, I'm not doing the work. I'm just handing you the invitation. It's totally up to you if, 
if you decide like, yes, life is a choose your own adventure. I'm going to select new thoughts that are going to create new feelings that are going to inform new behaviors or I am addicted to my victim story and good things happen to other people, not me. And so that's a choice. That is, that is a choice. And so, and I, I, like I told you that at the beginning of the call, right? That I am a healthy boundaries coach. And I say that my superpower is I will hold your hand and kick your ass at the same time. I'm not interested in your problems. I'm interested in your solutions. I'm not interested in that itty bitty shitty committee that's running your gums. Instead, I want to know that pep rally, like, where are you going? What do you want? What excites you? What inspires you? What lights you up? And when I interrupt people and cut them off at the knees, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you heard my story, it would be different. I'm like, no. Their transformational journey, they're happy to move in that powerful direction. But if they feel shame, they're not going to do anything for you. They're just going to curl up and, and um, not perform for themselves. They're not going to show up for themselves. They're definitely not going to show up for other people. So we don't want people to be motivated by shame or fear. We want them to be motivated that life is a choose your own adventure, pal. It's up to you. That's fantastic. The last thing you said, like, uh... You know, I discovered that early on that like in just being an assistant coach with other coaches, like sarcasm, if you're a coach towards a player is so destructive. It's so yeah. destructive. It undermines everything and you lose all your credibility and it doesn't yeah. motivate anybody. And so that I that was fantastic, Emily. Trevor, what, what do you got for Emily? I mean, I don't I'm just blown away. I mean, this has been a great uh, interview and discussion so far. Um, you know, basically, I guess from a, a coaching standpoint, um, you know, and you already alluded to the, you know, the sarcasm, but what can we do as coaches to try and motivate more again, because we talked about, you know, again, as Andrew said, we've had, you know, like the growing up, we used to get the, there was no pat on the back. It was a kick in the ass every yeah. single second. Yeah. And you know, that, Life has changed. Things have come around. We're learning now from that. Um, wish I know. We were free-range children in the 80s. I, <laughs> so good. Oh, you could drink from a hose and all that oh, stuff. But uh... That actually tastes really good. There's something special about hot hose water. Anyway, I'm listening. No, it's okay. No, definitely. But again, I mean, as coaches, we... I mean, I know Trimble and I, we, we've both talked about it before. Like, we do see some differences between how kids are you know, before, like early, maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago to where they are now and good or bad. Um, so again, I guess to drag th this question out even longer, I told you I talked too much. Um, what can we do as coaches to be, to be, to better ourselves and not only just motivating players, a whole team, but individuals. Yeah. So one of the, I say this a lot, but if I could only teach one thing, but for real, if I could no, only no. teach one thing, it's your language. And so your language, you want to be using approach language versus avoidance language. And so I read this years ago in some personal development book, and I don't even know if it's true anymore, but like the winningest college football coach or basketball coach, I don't even remember. It was like, well, what's your secret that you're like the winningest coach in all of the world? And he's like, because when we go into the locker room, I show them plays that they did really well. I said, you were in the exact right spot. You threw that thing or caught that thing or whatever it was. 
perfectly. And so that is what we are approaching. And so you want to reinforce what you desire. And so if we go into the locker room, and I remember Andrew saying this, like, oh, you, no, not, you can't give too many points in the locker room. I mean, like too many teaching points in between periods. Like pick one thing, like their brains are beautiful. <laughs> Just select one thing, like you can't give them too much instruction. But the thing is with approach language versus avoidance language, what are you approaching versus what are you avoiding? And this is a silly non-hockey example, except it's um, perfect. I have a dog, Tootsie, and Tootsie is, um, when I adopted her as a puppy, I know how powerful language is. So I never wanted to use the word barking or jumping because, because everything is created twice. It's a thought before it's a thing. So if I'm using the word barking and jumping, I'm going to get barking and jumping from my dog. And people made fun of me all the time, but this worked. I said to Tootsie, we greet people in silence with all four paws on the floor. We greet people in silence with all four paws on the floor because that's what I'm approaching. I'm avoiding barking and jumping and I'm approaching this. Same thing, um, just as a coaching example, I mean, me as a coach, and then I'll get back to hockey, um, is one of my clients um, uh, was going through a brutal, painful divorce. And it was ugly. It was messy. They had an infant and a toddler. They had to co-parent like intimately for a very long time. And, and she hated this guy and he was a liar and a cheater and all that kind of stuff. And so after we'd started working together, it's like, first of all, you need to give new meaning to him. And then eventually she wanted to start dating again. And I'm like, make your list. Everything is created twice. It's a thought before it's a thing. And she was writing on her list, no dirtbags, no liars, no losers, no cheaters, can't be bad with money, no credit card debt. And it's like, you have just listed everything you want to avoid. And so again, think about the winningest coach in whatever sport it was, I don't even know, uh, I don't remember. But so she wanted, what she was looking for in a partner, I want him to be um, physically affectionate, emotionally mature, financially responsible, um, treats his mother with respect, the number one thing women are looking for, um, gets along well with my family, you know, treats me with dignity and respect all the time. It's like, yes. So she started using approach language of all the things she was approaching. But the old list was everything she was avoiding. And so because the law of attraction is always an effect, what you think about, you bring about, what you focus upon, you get more of, like attracts like. She shifted her language to what she desired. And of course, Mary met him, married the man of her dreams. I mean, and, and she's just like, he is literally everything on the list. I'm like, no kidding. That is why I do this work. And so it's the same thing when you're talking about coaching hockey. Like, what do you want the kids to do? Stick with that. What, where do you want them to be skating? Where do you want them to be in front of the net? Where do you want them to be? What time do you want them at the rink? Like you want them there at noon, then just say that. Obsessing about don't be late. I don't want you here at 1230. I don't want to see you rolling into the parking lot at 1215. Like stop. Like that is all the stuff you are avoiding. What you are approaching, you need to be dressed and ready at noon. We, are, we have got ice at noon and you are just focused on your approach, approach, approach language and only use it. And this uh, idea of language, Jesus, Buddha, Oprah, it doesn't matter. They have all said the same thing from like ancient sacred texts to modern day teachers and thought leaders is that your words are so powerful. And so even um, 
the book, The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, the number, the first, oh, you know this one, Trevor? Yeah. So the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Yep. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, Neil Donald Walsh talked about this in his book, Conversations with God. Imagine every thought is a prayer and every prayer is answered. Choose your words wisely. And so when you're thinking about working with teenage knuckleheads, and I love these knuckleheads, but they, they need, they need, they're like puppies who need to be crated. They feel very safe when there are rules and expectations and guidelines. And when it's chaotic, it's chaotic. And, and, and that's adults also, except teenage brain is just that much different, um, you know, because uh, frontal lobe, 25 years old, right? So the, just thinking about how, how you are interacting and engaging, you just want to stay in that place of approach language. What do you want? What would you love? And the more you can reinforce that, that's all they're hearing. You know, even a hundred years ago or 30, I was getting certified as an elementary school teacher. And because um, I was a classroom teacher before I went into counseling and then shifted into coaching. And so they, we talked about like spelling tests for elementary school kids. Don't have three options of a word, the same word, and only one of them is spelled correctly and two of them are incorrect because you're seeing it. Like you're, doesn't matter which is the right answer. You're, you're processing that information. So it all looks right to you possibly. And so we don't want to reinforce anything that isn't what we desire. Does that make sense? No, I, I, it's, it's something. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yes, it does. I mean, it makes sense. Yes. What you said makes sense. And it's definitely a different way of thinking because again, I mean, as coaches, we're, it is very easy to pick out the negative, as we all know. And well, that's what you need to improve, yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And it's it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, I think every coach, I mean, every player, every anybody, any, even parents, we can all, you know, get better at doing that. And I would much rather have had that than getting yelled at for, you know, getting having to skate extra laps. So, no, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, and it's it's simple. Like even there is a bakery in town closed Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And it's like, why doesn't the sign just say open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Like, why would you reinforce what you don't want people to know? You want to reinforce what you want them to know. And it's like, you see it all over the place. Even so when I um, had hockey players living at my house and because I was the host family coordinator, um, and if you ever watched the love boat, Julie, the cruise ship director, like <laughs> I like to coordinate all the social things. Right. So I had kids at my house all the time, all the time, all the time. And then after the wolves moved out after several seasons, I had Airbnb guests upstairs. I met with individual clients at my dining room table. So I had people in total strangers in and out of my house all the time. So I had a little sticky note. I'm going back to my example with Tootsie, the dog. I had a little sticky note on the door on the doorknob on the inside of the house. And it said, please keep the dog inside. Not don't let the dog out. I don't want that language out there. Let the dog out, let the dog out. Like, no, 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 the little sticky note, keep the dog inside the house. And so it's so subtle, but the sign of the bakery being opened or closed, you in the locker room, like what do you want the kids to do? Reinforce that or your referees or the guys sharpening skates or the parents who just need a couple minutes of your time <laughs> right here. Meet me at the helicopter. Landing. Those exist. Yeah, just need a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. 
No, I uh, like that because it, it's a very, you know, again, thinking about it, I mean, it doesn't make sense if you use the bakery. Like, that's a very attractive way of saying, like, hey, like, well, th- th- they're open on these days and instead of, oh, they're closed. Like, that's a negative thinking, like, thought process. I mean, I'm no, I'm no genius. So that's, uh, I've never thought of it that way. We don't. Right. Right. That, that's great. Before we close here, Emily, what is, um, one hockey story um, that is special for you. <laughs> that you, could, you could relate, relate, relate for the fans. Yeah, it's funny. I was I should have thought of more hockey examples. I didn't know what we were going to chit chat about. Um, so one of the so because I had kids at my house all the time, and I love structure and organization. Um, this maybe is not an awesome story, but I used to do room inspection every Thursday night because I wanted them going into the weekend, clean and organized, laundry put away, bed made, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You need to iron your clothes, whatever it is, which apparently you have to teach people how to do that. <laughs> and so to me, it's it's that predictability that creates safety that then they started to do it on their own. Like, oh, it's Thursday night. What time are you coming upstairs? And it's like, oh shit, it's Thursday. Like, oh, I'll be up in a minute. Like, <laughs> I didn't remember that. But like, it's that whole idea that these are very beautiful humans, like these sweet boys or whatever, whatever or girls. I mean, I'm just referencing working for the wolves is that if they can feel that powerful sense of safety and a genuine, like authentic sense of belonging. You know, right? The difference between belonging and fitting in. Belonging is authentic, whereas fitting in is what is everyone else doing? Okay, I should too, me too. Um, and so if they have that strong sense of belonging and um, feel that authentic connection and that predictability and routine, then you're, you're, you're creating really phenomenal humans. And also that they have they have those feelings of autonomy that they can generalize those skills far beyond the rank. Well, that's fantastic, Emily. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, this has been a really great interview, and I think that a lot of coaches uh, in, in hockey and elsewhere will really enjoy this feedback and this information and can apply it to their teams. Absolutely. Oh yeah, it, it, you can do this stuff today. Like, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Don't wait till next season. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. No, I, I'm going to share this with everyone I know once I put it out. But uh, no, thank you again for coming on. This has been fantastic. Thank you, and I'm like super stoked because Andrew and I love his wife Jill. Also, like I just you were such a big part of my early coaching stuff. So I just have such genuine appreciation for you and for being so patient with me because I know I was. Uh, high maintenance and demanding because I wanted everything <laughs> to be robust and dynamic and you were very patient with me. So thank you. Yeah. Emily, the pleasure was all on my, as I said, uh, at, you know, halfway through the podcast, a lot of the things we brainstormed and put together have become the foundation for the program. So thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. All right, Trev. So, what is uh, what are some of your feedback, and what are some of the responses to the inter- information you got from Emily? I, again, Emily, thank you very much for coming on. We will make sure that um, we get all your information out there so that uh, we can share it. Because, I mean, 
as we've always said as coaches, like if we can help one player, like we're happy. And, um, you know, if there's anybody listening who, I, I don't know how you couldn't enjoy what she said. Um, so hopefully at least somebody out there gives her a call or gives her a shout and, you know, tries working with her. Hell, I might even do it after this episode. Um, I got plenty I need to work on. She definitely sounds like she'll give me a kick in the ass. Um, <laughs> well, I know but, that like personally, like, you know, I haven't dealt with Emily in a couple of years to deal with her because she's been traveling and doing these different business ventures. And, um, but you know, it, it's a wake up call sometimes. And I know some of the language I've been using with my kids over the last couple months, maybe I can improve that. So thanks, Emily. You helped me out tonight. Well, I mean, for sure. No, I mean, that was the biggest thing I took away was, you know, and again, she said it so eloquently, like, and it, like, it, it makes when she says it, like the light bulb turns on, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, why would I start telling what the bad behavior is? Why do I even want to put it out in that lexicon? Why, why wouldn't I just want to say what the good, like what, what like, we want. And it's, it makes so much sense. And the power of words is like, it's huge. And and we know that as coaches, like trying to motivate players, you know, you, you want to try and say the right thing. And yeah, it's, you know what? I will be the first one to admit. Yeah. I get stuck in some of my old ways when I was younger as well as some of the shitty coaches I had of just, you know, like, Oh, you should have done that. Or, you know, we could have done this or, you know, being too negative. Like, again, that's just bad habits and stuff I need to work on. Um, but like with how she said those, like just, you know, I love how, especially the motivation, like it, you motivation, uh, you want inspiration. You want, you know, the push and the pull. Like that was just so, so like eye opening for me. Um, I'm like, I'm going to use this right away. Like I have practiced tomorrow night. I am going to use this right away. And it doesn't matter that my kids are nine. You, it doesn't matter that the kids you're coaching are anywhere between, you know, what, I mean, you're working with eight you all the way up to 20 year olds, you know, for sure. And I mean, it's even regular life. I mean, again, she's a life coach. She's not, a, you know, just uh, working with us right now, but she's a life coach. So again, it was the power of language. And I, again, I really liked how she talked about trying to pull the kids, you know, get them to join the group and not, you know, and be a part of the group. But not just be them like you can be yourself in the group. You don't have to conform to the rest of the group. So, I mean, there's just so many nuggets in there that I don't even. What what are your thoughts, coach? I mean, you know, Emily, but what were your thoughts on what she talked about? No, it was a good reminder for me of a lot of the things that I think that in the past that have been really successful with with doing. And and a lot of it was taken from her. Um, My dad always said it's not about pushing like if you're a captain of a team, it's, you're not about pushing guys to be better, which you'll, you fall in the trap of that sometimes. Like, oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. Pushing people, but it's getting them to follow you, you know, uh, and giving them that, not motivation, but that inspiration that the why, why, why they should, why should they be following you? Why should they be doing this? And uh, that, that's a good reminder. You know, that's a good reminder. Um, we had a game right before break. Um, we got a bunch of injuries, bunch of illnesses. Like, I mean, I was sick for like six, seven days. I uh, wasn't flu. It wasn't COVID, but it was just like this lagging and nagging illness that a bunch of kids had. And I was pretty out of it. Um, and we lost a game where, we, you know, we, we, we didn't have a great lineup um, with our health, but it wasn't a great performance. Uh, that was on a Friday, Friday night. And then 
you know, a why moment come up, comes up on Saturday. You know, we had our team Christmas party and it was a great Christmas party. We did secret Santa and we had, you know, the guys are all sharing time together and we have the same lineup playing the same team on Sunday. And it's a one goal game it, instead of being a lopsided victory. And it's because like the kids are just pulling for each other. Like there's that unity. There's that, there's that togetherness. And you could see the bench was just totally different. And uh, that hits on all, it checks off all the boxes that she was talking about. And I think it makes a big difference. No, definitely. That's, that's a great way to, I mean, just immediately apply. Like he, you, we hadn't even talked to her, but I mean, you were able to just right there show like an example of it, of what she was talking about without even like having done it. You know, I don't know. It's just, again, there was just so much there that I took. And again, it was only, I mean, it's such a brief, we've got to have her definitely back on for a much longer segment, but um, if she's able to find the time, I know she's very busy. I mean, when she, when I saw that she worked for, for Tony Robbins, I was like, okay, like name drop. All right. But then I was like, when she was talking to me, I was like, and then talking to us, I was like, you can name drop whoever the hell you want. Like, I don't care who you're working for. Like, this is your, she's the real deal. Um, I love that she, she wants people to love to work with her for her and with her. I mean, it was just awesome. Yeah. And I think the one of the things that makes Emily kind of unique is that because is her backstory too. You know, she was a school counselor. Uh, she was an individual business owner who worked with individual individuals who were looking to grow their business or relationships or things like that. Uh, she also worked with teams and was a, like a, basically a coach for her teams. And then now she works for a big corporation who does these large motivational or inspirational events. So like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat on the bone there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's had, you know, as you say, gone through so many different experiences and worked at so many different groups. So Emily, thank you again for coming on. Um, I will make sure we get that all of her information. I, I can't believe I didn't even. I was just so in awe afterwards. I was just like, man, this is gonna hit a. Home, this is a home run right here. Um, Absolutely. Not that any take away from any of our other guests, but um, this definitely hit the uh, hit the nail on the head, especially as coaches who, you know, again we're working with different levels, different ages, and it's tough. Cause, you know, how how do we motivate them? How do we get them going? You know, and. I've always heard, you know, catch them, do it right. Catch them when they're doing it right, you know. And um, But even still, like, I'm sure in those moments, we still bring up what we don't want them to do. So I definitely got uh, some homework here, Coach. <laughs> well, I love that. I love that. Now, Trevor, we got kind of something that falls along the same lines of what we talked about with Emily. Five myths of the modern youth player. Okay. Okay. What you, yeah. What do you got? I'm up first. Um, I would, and the first one I, I have is sports aren't important. Uh, there was a funny meme I, um, shared with my wife. Um, let me see if I can find it here. I'll get it. I'll get it. Give me a second. No, no pressure. No pressure. I mean, we share a lot of the reels and memes. It's kind of our love language, if you will. <laughs> uh, but it was, I can't find it. Key. I, <laughs> I can't find it now, but it was something like, uh, oh, I want to, it was like a meme. like, oh, I want to thank my parents for not getting, for letting me be my own person because that way I'm, wasn't good at sports and I have no talents in life. Something like that. <laughs> yes, no, the self-deprecating <laughs> ones. I love it. Yes. Yes. So my first one is sports aren't important. And I would say that as a parent and as a, as a, you know, child of a, of a coach, 
Um, sports are really important. It's not about, and it's not even really about the performance on the field or the rink. It's about learning how to be part of a team, learning how to um, subjugate yourself to the greater good. It's about uh, learning how to clean up the locker room after you, after you leave. It's about um, pre preparation. It's about game day. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Those things all really matter with life. And um, if I take away this, that sport experience, kids don't experience that on their own. So I would implore all parents, your kid may want to sit and watch TV all day and be like, oh, I don't like this sport. Say, we're doing it, buddy. I'm going to be at every game. Your friends on the team. Let's try it out. And again, it doesn't have to be hockey. It can be basketball. It can be badminton. Who cares? I mean, doing anything. I'm, and I love, you know, as you said, I've I've always told my families that I've worked with when I've you know coached their kids like, hey, I, and I, I don't want to make them not only better young men or and young women, but I mean, I want, I mean, as I'm better, I just basically flipped it. I don't only want to make them great hockey players, but I want to make them great, you know, young men, young women, help them realize that. And as you said, I mean, there's just so much that correlates from any sport um, to real life, facing adversity by yourself, you know, within a group, um, you know, facing those challenges, facing, you know, figuring out preparation, um, motivation, inspiration. Um, not to use Emily's buzzwords because those are great. They work, trust me. Um, but again, there's there's so much more. You, there's so much you can learn, and so you know what? I think for a long time, I mean, sports for sure. But get them doing some type of even group activity. I mean, we we say sports. If your kid decides, hey, you know what? I want to play cello or I want to play trumpet. You know what? You need to be on the same page with those, you know, it's a team effort there too. And, and individual as well. So I, I definitely am not in the ballpark of someone who's just like, yeah, my kid just wants to sit at home or eh, he just wants to, you know, do whatever, play video games. Like, okay, sure. There's a little bit of this in there, but I hope you don't have your nine-year-old playing like all of duty <laughs> and try and <laughs> teach him what teamwork looks like, you know? So, <laughs> but uh all right. Well, number two I had um, is that uh, five minutes of the modern youth player is uh, they just don't listen. Um, and the kids do listen. The teenagers do listen. You just have to find the right way to get them to listen. And that doesn't mean sitting there screaming at them. That's, a, that's maybe for a couple of kids. Uh, they might have further problems down their lives that need therapy. Um, but like, Every kid, something drives every person. Again, whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's whatever it is. I mean, most times it's money. Let's not be real. But, <laughs> but even just getting that, hey, like pat on the back, like something motivates everybody. There's an, you know, incentives in the world. That's why salespeople get paid, you know, bonuses or commissions, you know, because that's their incentive to work harder and do this, this, and that. So, what we want to make sure is that. But not every kid has the same incentive. So we need, we need to figure out a way to find what gets that player to tick. What gets that player to listen? What what do they want want to hear? How can we give that to them constructively while also giving them what we think they need to hear? I agree. Uh, amen, Trevor. I, I think that kids listen differently a little bit than they used to listen because it's the the world is so much faster now 
information is relayed faster. Uh, you know, the, the reels that they watch that we don't, they don't watch 30 minute shows. Like we used to watch when we were kids, they watch six minute or 30 second clips on YouTube. It's just the world's changed. So they listen, but we have to communicate on their level. I agree with you hundred percent, Trevor. What do you got for number three, coach? Number three, back in my day. <laughs> That's, you know. Yeah. Back in my day, this was this and this. Back in my day, I did yeah. this. I walked up school both four miles uphill both ways. Yeah, I just think uh, we live in the rose-colored glasses. The further you get away from something, the better you remember something. If you, I, I, I had a horrible, like my girlfriend in high school or in college, she was crazy. But you know, like then you know, you get a couple years past. You're like, ah, she wasn't that bad. Maybe I was crazy, right? You know? But she was crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think we all have these rose-colored glasses. It wasn't perfect back in the day. Um, just embrace where you are right now. Embrace the kids you're with, and make the best of it. I mean, again, as you said, like you know, back in my day, like yeah, back in my day, things were different too. There was different ways of teaching and learning and all this and that like at the end of the day like kids are kids these days and yeah i mean certain things might have been done differently but as you said rose colored glasses like yeah you know what maybe you think that's what really happened like oh yeah like i was you know i remember going out there and giving my all every shift like okay bullshit nobody's rudy out there every <laughs> damn game like come on like yeah when i was a kid i loved to go outside and shoot you know, shoot the hockey ball around every day. Do some kids not do that these days? Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of them because they have other options. We didn't have the options they have nowadays where they, you know, so it, it's like twofold, but no, it's like, again, as you said, the rose colored glasses, just take them off. Like, move, move on. on, move on. Uh, number four is uh, if they're not good at a younger age, they're never going to be good. I know this is kind of a, a little bit of a repetitive one that we, I've used a little bit, but um, just in the modern modern players, just like in anything in society we've talked about before, there's just so much focus on winning and losing, and especially at the younger ages. Um, and I've seen so many players, like I've had parents threaten to take their kids out of certain sports, and like we're talking maybe you know ten you, you know nine you. Oh, if they're not gonna. They're not going to work hard. You know, I'm going to take them out. and We're just not going to play this sport anymore. And like, not take them out. Like, you know, like, like actually take them out of the sport. Um, yeah. I don't have any of that. I mean, there could be crazy parents, but um, I guess what I mean by that. It's like, you know what? Again, whoever your best might is and your, might, your best squirt, I would say 50%. I don't want to give a statistic, but. They're not always going to be your best 18 year old or your best 16 year old. And you know what? Like, we've, as a society, got to get away from this. Like, oh, it's it's all wins and losses. It's all this, this, and that. It's my kid needs to put up, you know, two goals a game or three goals a game. And you know what? If they're not a good at a younger age, like, you know what? They still have opportunities to grow and get better. Development's not linear, you know? And, it's just as sad as a society that that's what we base everything on, um, especially at the younger ages, because it's they're learning, you know, and, you know, it, even as Emily said, you know, the frontal lobe, you know, it doesn't develop till you're 25. I don't know if that's just men or I'm probably 
just mad. I mean, some of us, we still never really fully develops. We're still stuck in our 25 year old brain, but uh, like we're, we're still growing. The kids are still learning. Like just let them be, let them have fun. Absolutely. And I think sometimes those late bloomers um, have a higher ceiling sometimes because they've learned all these other skills, like these different coping mechanisms and these adversity driven skills at an early age so that when those same instances come along and they've caught up physically, now you got a dynamic special kid. I, I think you're, you're, you're cutting a kid off at the knees sometimes uh, just because he's not having that initial success. You're missing out on a diamond in the rough. To, to, Absolutely. To quote, <laughs> to do every cliche in the book. <laughs> All right. No, I mean, it's the truth though. It's uh, it's absolutely 100% the truth. What do you got for uh, to wrap us up here, coach? So this is kind of funny. So, um, I'm walking past my son's door and he has a sign on the door now that he put up. I guess he got it at school. It said, be a buddy, not a bully. And I was like, huh, where did he get that? And I talked to my daughter and she's like, oh, they give those out in school. And Bear, for whatever reason, liked it a lot and put it up. He's eight years old and he put it up on his door. Say, what, cool what are you sign. doing to your kid, coach? Like, <laughs> my God, or he's got to send you a subconscious message there. I was like, Dad, quit being mean to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't me know if it was cupboard. directed towards me. I don't know if that was the case. He but... just glares at you as he shuts his door. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> He's plotting my demise at, in, the, right in the moment right he now. He's going to take you out of hockey. <laughs> but I, I would say that kids now more than ever before are more socially and um, more conscientious of their surroundings and how other people feel and their feelings. And we don't give these, this new generation, a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, 20 years ago, you know, some of the community service projects, like if I was involved with it, uh, you know, when I was in, you know, playing junior in high school, I would have kind of scoffed at it and it would have drag had to drag me to it. But now I'm, as an adult, I love doing these things. And the, I find that the kids have a lot of passion for doing these things too. And I don't know if they had that back in my day. So I would say that now, like uh, kids these days, because of social media and because of the communication they get in schools and because of a, probably a lot of the different factors I don't even know about, but they're more, more in tune with the greater world around them. And they have feelings for those things. And, and that's... Um, the modern athlete is special in that respect uh, that I, at least that I've found. What are your thoughts, Trevor? No, I mean, I, I think you, you're absolutely correct. And I mean, let's be honest as a society, we are more open about talking about different subjects. I mean, use, you know, bear as an example with his, you know, be a male and not a bully. I mean, you know, men like still, even, even to now, like, we don't talk about our feelings a lot. Some of some men, I mean, I'll tell you everything you want to hear or I need it. You need to hear or, but um, sorry, I just started getting uh, the fallout boy song. That's part of a lyric. And I was just saying the whole thing. Um, anyhow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like we don't talk about those things. Like we growing up, like I, I never heard, you know, like adult males talking about their feelings and stuff. And now like it's, it's completely, you know, it's, it's encouraged at, you know, at these younger, at the in schools and stuff. And I think that's great. I mean, I think, you know, how much that is going to help that generation is, you nail, I mean, you nailed on the head, like, 
you know, we want that. I mean, these kids are understanding more. They're, you know, of everybody, of you know, and they're, I, I do. I, I like that. I like the, you know, the saying there. And I do like the, um, you know, just the whole generation itself. Like they're, like, they're okay with that. And I think they're going to be better off mentally, I think, than some of the other generations because they're, they're going to know they're not alone. Like they're with those types of things. So I don't know. I, I whatever it is, I agree with. I I would love to know why you're a bully, but uh, you know. I'm not. I'm not the bully. I'm not <laughs> no, the bully. Hey, I think it's whatever. a general sign they get out in school. Trav, don't don't pin me in that corner. No, no, no. You're not a bully. But I I do think that like if you go back, you know, fifty years, hundred years, like those guys were savages. Like my my <laughs> my my grandfather, my mom's dad, came over on a boat when he was two. He was one of nine kids. They left the other eight kids in Germany and he like left school when he was 13 and like shines shoes in New York city. And then he got a job in a bank and he worked his way up. And my dad used to always say like, uh, you know, he, he was, he went to university of Bridgeport. He was a football player. And my mom went to Glassboro state college down in uh, Southern New Jersey. They went to high school together, but dated in college. And he was like, I didn't have a car. So I would just hitchhike. I would hitchhike from like you hitchhike from Connecticut to southern new jersey like philly it's like he's the savages man savages and like totally different than now you know like i wish my dad maybe d- didn't have to hitchhike <laughs> right right that a friend would have given him a ride or something like that you know like because things get a little bit easier and we evolve as a society so uh i loved bear sign and i thought that it was uh i think it really applies to this generation and we should give that gener- this generation a little bit of credit for that no absolutely i mean do i think that there's still some mental resilience that needs to be taught at this, with this generation. Um, Indeed. I, I think that is for anyone. I, I wouldn't even say just generation. I just think as a society as a whole, especially with, Oh, this is offensive or, or I'm, I'm upset by this or that. Like, you know, Emily even said it, like, that's a you problem for some of those things. Like now, if you're getting harassed or this or that, like, that's one thing. But if somebody says something that you don't agree with, like, that's a, and it's not directed at you and it's not meant to be offensive and it's not really offensive by anybody else except you. Like that's a you problem. Like, you know, and I think some players I'll use, for example, you know, the older kids, you know, they, they didn't like something like, well, Hey, guess what? You're not going to always, not everything's sunshine and rainbows, bud, but you know, like that's, you got to figure out a way to get through it. You got to figure it out. And I think that's the one thing I would say about this generation that I would like to see more of is less hand-holding in the giving them the answers because I think we've always done that as coaches. And I mean, even away from the rink, we, we do that. I've seen that a lot more um, than I feel like I ever got. Maybe it was just my parents, but I think like any kid, it was a lot of go figure, like you figured it out. You figured out how to create your own games outside when you were kids. Right. You, you figured out how to, hey, let's go, you know, let's, okay, we've got, we got, seven kids here out here in the cul-de-sac and we want to play, you know, football. Well, how do we make this work? Well, why doesn't, you know, Jimmy, why isn't he all-time quarterback? You know, Oh, okay. Now we're playing three. Like you figured those things out where now like you need to have, okay, well, my kid can come over at this time. And what about your kid? Okay. He can come over on this day. Like everything's got to be like, we got to let the kids figure it out. So I guess if anything, and this is now a diatribe on my end, but 
if anything, I think that I think that would just be my overview as a coach working with today's youth is that in the last 10 years is that we don't the kids get too many answers when you know we should be letting them hey figure it out like okay hey coach my, my I, got, I got a knot in my skate okay we'll figure it out let's see make an effort first and then i'll come and help like you know like go go for two minutes and i mean even that for me like that's kind of how it was like when i was growing up like i remember First time I had a flat tire, I had no like no clue, you know. And I'm calling my, and I'm calling my stepdad. And I'm like, hey, you know, I I need you to come pick me up. Like I don't know, I don't know what I got to do. I need you to help change the tire. He's like, well, did you open the manual? I was like, no. He's like, all right, well, open the manual. Um, and then read. Okay, I was like, okay, I'm looking at the manual. He's like, okay, now now read it and call me back later. And I was just like, okay, but. I'll tell you what, I learned how to change a tire pretty quickly. You know, pretty quick fantastic here. Fantastic lesson. That's a great you know? example. Yeah, I mean, so it it's one of those things where, again, even like myself, like, again, I'm, there, there's a pretty example. And that was a good, I mean, a good lesson for me. And it was just like, we just need to, we need to make sure kids are doing that these days. We're at least trying to. And again, it applies as coaches. We've talked about, you know, drills and such. We don't always want to give drills that just have a predetermined outcome, you know, Um why not have something where there's numerous options? Like, okay, we want the object of the drill is to score a goal, but do we have to always have the kids go in the same damn route around cones or tires? Like those drill, those drills are beneficial. Don't get me wrong. I, I believe in that still. Why not have drills where there's numerous options that they can do even options that we don't tell them. We know they're there, but we don't tell them and they figure it out themselves. And I think that was one area that we can improve on as coaches and we can inspire them to do it. Coach Tribble. Trevor, I think you just nailed a bunch of things in the head and I couldn't agree more. I it's that marriage of problem solving inspiration, but also giving them some structure and guidance about how to treat one another. Like, damn it. This episode is going platinum. This is a good episode. <laughs> it is. This, this is Sorry. a good one. <laughs> well, I think we should leave it on that Trev. Nah. This is a good one. I hope fans are listening at home and can enjoy this episode and get take some tidbits from Emily. Emily, again, thank you again for coming on. Uh, you were fantastic, and uh, this has been a good one. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, for the Hockey Toolkit, I am Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks. 